Welcome to another episode of the award-winning radio show and podcast, Dr. Doctor, featuring your physician host, Dr. Chris Stroud. And Dr. Andrew Malawi, where we and our guests discuss relevant and health-related topics from an authentically Catholic perspective. And today our guest will be heard across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. And joining us will be Dr. Bill Werman to give us an inside look at what it's like to be a physician in an emergency department. Yeah, we've kind of made our way through most of the medical specialties, Over and time, somehow yeah. we've we've overlooked working in the ER, which and is a big a big one. You know, it's not our trivia question this time, but I should I'd like to include it. But I wonder if ER medicine is the most famous for medical shows. Oh, it's got to um, be. I mean, it's almost a part of Americana. The show ER yeah. was so popular for really a generation almost that when people think of medicine, I think very often. They think of the emergency room. Oh, yeah. Nobody thinks of, like, the walk-in clinic <laughs> and the drama that happens behind the scenes. Uh, it's, yeah. it's not as glitzy. You know, there's something glitzy about the ER. Certainly, so. that show did a lot of good and maybe a little bad. And yeah. we'll, have to ask, we'll have to ask Bill about that, yeah. the difference between Hollywood and real life and an emergency department. But, it, but it, it's almost like a courtroom courtroom uh, TV series that people really get wrapped up in the culture. There, there are some things that are just intriguing to people. And I, I think part of it is because, you know, obviously the ER, frequently you're dealing with really serious things. Yeah. But also so many people do interact with the ER at different times in their life. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'd, I think it'd be a, a rare person who's never been to the ER for themselves or a loved one. Actually, I, I was looking up a little bit of the, the history and some data about ER visits. And in 2021, about 42 people out of 100 <laughs> went to the ER. Wow. And so that is something where it's just, it's, it's very common. Our whole model of ER staffing where you can just go in and there's going to be a doctor there, even in the middle of the night on Christmas, that's new really since the 60s. Mm. Um, before that, you might remember, Chris, that uh, <laughs> everybody would just kind of take call. And they talk about city call. Yeah. But that included pathology and psychiatrists. Mm. And if you had a major car accident and psychiatry is on duty, you're going to be disappointed. And so that kind of led to the, the specialty and the, the honed work of, you know, people who are really trained to deal, especially with trauma, yeah. but anything in acute care. Well, and I'm sure he'll talk about it, but just the idea of trauma sort of as a medical specialty with research and sort of academic pursuits to try to make trauma more survivable. That's relatively new to your point. Oh, it yeah. hasn't always been this way. Uh, and I do remember being a physician before it was common to have a staffed emergency room. Wow. So I would be called as an OBGYN for simple things that I'm never called for now yeah. uh, because there was no one there to take care of them. Yeah. Um, and it, it really is a major portal into the healthcare system. It you know, is. offices like yours in primary care are but, you know, I don't know the numbers, but I'll bet the majority of people enter the healthcare system through the emergency room, whether it's trauma or illness or, yeah. or both. Well, it, it, it's a special type of person who is healthy and looking forward, saying, I need to have everything set up for when something goes wrong. I'd say more often people are going about their lives, they run into a medical problem, boom, we're in the ER. Yeah. And then what? what? What happens next? And it's actually, you know, one of the things I did a little bit of ER work when I was in training. And one of the things that I'd like to talk to Bill about is appropriate use of the ER mm. versus inappropriate use. Sure. Especially in, in modern times when so many patients are covered by Medicaid where it's free to choose either going to mm. your family doctor or going to the ER, which is going to cost a hundred times as much, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so, more. yeah. But there's, you know, there is a law that I wanted to highlight for folks uh, called MTALA, mm -hmm. which you're probably you're familiar with. I'm sure many of our listeners are. Uh, from 1986, yeah. which basically it was designed for people in labor, um, but really anybody who presents the ER, um, they are guaranteed a medical evaluation. Even even though brief, um, you're going to be taken. You're going to get a look. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I, I'll, in your office, I'll bet in particular, but in my office, of common call is should I go to the ER? Right. Especially after hours on the weekend. That's really the question. I have this problem. Should I go to the ER? Or can it wait till Monday? Yeah. But I'll bet as a primary care physician, you see that routinely. It's really funny. So this happened uh, just the other day. We got a phone call about should I go to the ER? It was <clears> about uh, a, a mom calling on behalf of her child. But the, the kid was eating a pear, and he may have swallowed a pear seed. Uh. And 
you know, a Google search said that that was poisonous. I said, there's no way. So I Googled it. First thing that came up, if you eat one pear seed, you could die of cyanide poisoning. (laughs) I made it through medical school, never know that. I'm sure I've eaten pear seeds. And so, uh, but yeah, you do get a lot of questions. And as a patient, you're like, wait a minute. You know, if a cursory Google search doesn't tell me the answer, what do I do? What else can you do? What are your options? Depending on your relationship with your primary care physician and your community and how you get medical advice and care after hours, it may by default end up being a trip to the ER. Oh, yeah. Well, and it's so tough, too, because most insurances require somebody to be on call but on call means different things. It doesn't yeah. necessarily mean they're going to pick up the phone right now. It just means they'll return your call at some point. And they may return your call with an answer, go to the ER. Right. Yeah, that is totally We've true. certainly seen that a lot. That's probably a great segue, though, into our trivia question for this, for this episode. Mm-hmm. And it's about who visits emergency rooms, right? So according to data from 2019, which group of people is most likely to visit the emergency department? And it's a it's a three uh, it's a three part multiple well single choice multiple choice <laughs> a babies under the age of one b children ages one to seventeen or c elderly patients over the age of seventy five. Mm, that's a good one. I can see I can see any of those being right. Well, listeners, you're going to have to wait to the end of the show, and you're going to have to listen and learn a lot from our guests if you want to hear the answer to this episode's trivia question. We'll be right back on Dr. Doctor. And we are back today on Dr. Doctor, talking to Dr. William Wehrman. Uh, we call him Bill. He's a family medicine and emergency medicine physician practicing in Kentucky. He's also the president of the St. Teresa of Calcutta and Faustina Guild of Northern Kentucky. Bill, thanks for coming on today. Thanks, Andrew, Chris. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks, guys. Yeah, we're happy to have you. Now, I, I know a lot of people, every time we do a specialty episode like this, I think the first question people want to know is, how did you find your way to this specialty? Why not a dermatologist or, uh, or an OBGYN? How did, you, how did you find your way where you are? I think, Chris, it, it, it all kind of uh, came out like when I was in med school at uh, University of Cincinnati, and I after a particular rotation, I'd, I'd go to my advisor and I said, I love this. I think I want to become a general surgeon. <laughs> um, I, I did pediatrics. I really like it. I'm, I'm leaning that way. So so essentially, I, I finally figured out I, I like uh, the idea of being a generalist rather than a, a, a specialist per se. Mm-hmm. And um, so, and, uh, and then as I was uh, deciding on a, a residency, uh, family medicine versus emergency medicine, and things just kind of how how they went in in medical school. Um, better experiences uh, in in a particular like family med- medicine program. Um, so I ended up doing a uh, residency at uh, Saint Elizabeth um, Hospital in Northern Kentucky. Uh, we we are the only residents at that facility, and and so um, you got called on to do everything. So a lot of inpatient, and uh, after doing that residency, I um, was approached to uh, participate in their first emergency medicine fellowship, mm-hmm. and um, and I found myself in, enjoying the, uh, the the hospital type work. Mm-hmm. So so I did it, and um, that involved going to uh, University of Cincinnati for some trauma experiences and University of Cincinnati um, Children's for weekly ER work there. So so that's how I kind of ended up in that. And um, when I finished residency, I tried to do both and, um, and it became too much. Uh, office-based work during the week and then ER work on the weekends. And after a year of that, and uh, I was approached to do full-time ER, and I felt that that was I was more at peace doing that, and um, so I made that decision. And I've been doing that full-time now for 17 years. So they time <laughs> marches on, but uh, but it's true. Now we referenced the famous show uh, in the intro segment, uh, ER, and what what an important part of sort of American culture. 
that show became. But, uh, I mean, I think it's fair to say that that show's pretty realistic, right? I mean, pretty much every minute of every day for you is exciting and uh, and life and <laughs> life and death, right? Um, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I don't find myself uh, tuning into old episodes of ER. Yes. It's, uh, you, you've kind of had an, enough of your fill. I mean, we do have some days that, you know, all all H is breaking loose. Yeah. But um but thankfully it's not like that every day. Well give listeners um, a sense of what a what a typical day in the life of you is like. Uh so uh they're twelve hour shifts. Um could be seven AM to seven PM, could be like eleven AM to eleven PM, could be seven PM to seven AM. You work as a team with other physician assistants or nurse practitioners. Um and you are, you know, once you arrive uh, for your shift, you could inherit um, very complicated, critically ill patients that you're, you're, uh, that, that from the doc you're relieving. Hmm. Um, and, and it might be calm. Uh, it might not be busy at that time when you arrive. That, that would be mostly like a morning situation, you know, might be on the slower side. But, but you never know what you're going to walk into. And, um, so you like uh, sometimes ask like, what's, what's it, is any day kind of normal? And I, I think you, you just kind of get ready for anything because, uh, you know, after 11 hours of your shift, it's everything's been going fine. But, you know, <laughs> with, within that last hour, anything can happen. I mean, you, you can go, go to... Um, to, to the the lounge to get something to eat or drink and back in five minutes and you just miss somebody walking in through the front door you know and, and uh, either a, a STEMI ST elevation MI or somebody who's cut some body part and they're bleeding profusely so yeah it's it's a uh, be ready for uh, to be surprised I think that's kind of a, a good strategy so with with that, you kind of hit on one thing that our listeners might be interested in. Slower times. If I want to go to the ER and not wait in line, what time should I go? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, you know, middle of the middle of the night. You know, is not a bad bad one to pick. You know, um, somewhere between four and five. Probably usually your your wait time is less. It's hard to find it's, a slow time, isn't it? It it it, uh, it often is, and uh, and it's it's funny. I, I think probably if you would pull um, ER docs, I think they'd probably be nodding. It. I mean, what's what's your um, what, you know whoever your sports team is in your area? Are they playing that that evening <laughs> or that afternoon? <laughs> you 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 can count you can count on it being slower. People just you know they will stay home. <laughs> and then, and then it, you've probably heard the uh, the, the uh, uh, thing about is it a full moon? I mean, I don't, I don't. Uh, it doesn't bother me if there's a full moon, but it bothers a lot of people. <laughs> so we were always scared on the holidays. Yeah. As soon as Thanksgiving dinner was over, mm. watch out because yeah. uh, the grandkids left. Everybody's going to the ER. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and usually, uh, usually, Andrew, it's because. Um, you know, somebody who shows up, family member, and says, okay, we're, you know, we're going to solve this problem, you know, this older person's head. We're going to get to the bottom of this. I know you've been having <laughs> it for months. We're going to the ER now. Today's the day. And, yeah. and oftentimes that's, that's kind of why when you kind of, if somebody tells you their problem's been going on for such a long time and you kind of say, but why tonight or why today? And they right. point and say, she made me. He made me. Right. Well, it's interesting listening to you describe. You know that that sense of you, you just have to be prepared for what comes in. It could be this. It could be that. You just don't know. I could imagine a lot of people would think, "Oh, that sounds exciting," but then certainly there's a lot of people that would think that sounds terrible. I want to know. <laughs> I want to plan. I like to control my schedule. So it, it takes a certain temperament. I think it's fair to say to be comfortable. You, you're with right. That. Yes, Chris. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've got a uh, uh, a sister-in-law, and um, she she's she's in in your field, <laughs> and and I remember one time 
um, our conversation and, and she gave that response that you did. <laughs> she said, no, no, I don't like that whole idea, but I, you're right. It, it takes a, a particular, I don't know if you call it uh, a mix of uh, adventurous and crazy and <laughs> I don't know. Bill, I wonder if you could talk a little bit more about your kind of day-to-day -day schedule. I know you had mentioned kind of the 12-hour shifts. Is is kind of the ER world moving away from the 24-hour shifts that used to be there? I think so, Andrew. You're right. Some very small places, I think, still do that, I guess. Because um, I actually worked at a, a hospital for a, a, probably about a year, and that's how they operated. But um, um, and and, and uh, it's it probably um, I mean I'm reminded of just within this past week uh, speaking to one one emergency room uh, down the road from us within an hour's drive, and it's it's uh, being managed by um, physician assistants, but um, and 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 like the reportedly the so so there's not a doctor on staff all the time there mm -hmm. so it's um it's a, still a variety okay of and how, how how many shifts a week would be a normal complement for somebody working in the ER like like 12 shifts a month is fairly considered like uh full full time mm -hmm. but okay. um oftentimes you end up doing more more than that cuz uh, people get sick or something happens. Um, so each one week can be lighter, one week could be heavier. And, and, uh, and so, so Andrew, like, like three or four shifts a week, you know, that, that might be considered average. Um, but then some, some weeks, uh, you just kind of get saddled, uh, more heavily, um, depending on what other people's requests are. And um, so, so some some weeks are pretty pretty hard. Like I like I six out of seven days I, I did, and those mm -hmm. are um, it, it really tests you mentally and sure. physically and stuff like that. Of course, you know we've talked on this show on various episodes through through the years about uh, physician and healthcare provider burnout, and really what is sort of an epidemic uh, of of burnout. Um, do you feel like? burnout prevention is being addressed well in emergency medicine as a specialty? Because that's the first thing that I think of when I hear you talking about six out of seven days. You can't do that very long without being at risk for burnout. It, it's true, Chris. And like the, um, we now are being uh, managed, I, 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 I quote, work for a new, new group. Um, but uh, the, because we're, we've, all become like independent contractors. Es essentially, um, uh, that that's kind of how the the field has gone to, and um, it's it's. Uh, but but as as being working under this this group, you get emails and, and messages. Um, how are you doing? Here are some resources. Oh sure. Uh, if you you know, or feeling stressed and, and, and especially during COVID, um, oh. you saw, uh, a, a quite a bit of that, um, the, uh, your employer reaching out to you mm -hmm. and it, and it's important and good because you guys probably remember also, unfortunately during COVID, I, I can think of like unfortunate story up happening up in the n n Northeast area. Um, about suicide, this this type stuff does happen sure. with emergency medicine physicians. I just um, was having a conversation with uh, a coworker just this past week, and and he he posed that question to me. He he said uh, um, they just came out with a a study, I guess, of uh, um, how how long uh, physicians their 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 length of life. Uh, depending on their field, mm. and um, and he mentioned Andrew, your field. I think it was like in the mid seventies. But then he said, he said, you know what emergency medicine is, and and I and I went gulp, and and uh, <laughs> and I thought, well, it's I bet it's lower. And he said fifty seven. Wow. 
Wow. And, 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 and I mean, of course that shocks me. Uh, I, I can only imagine, you know, where, where does that number come from? But um, I, I think I think it is a, a reflection of, of uh, the stress involved um, and, and things like that. So, uh, yeah, you know, and, and there's it something kind of, broken there, right? When you're you're not meeting even the average life expectancy of the patients you're caring for. You're right, Andrew. I know. You know, so with with ER, I can only imagine that one of the challenges is, you know, we talked about the unpredictability, but even the the lack of continuity in some ways. Where every time you walk into a room, this is probably somebody you've never met before. You've got to get their whole story um, here right now. How how do you look at that, or or maybe do you have more continuity with patients than we would anticipate? No, no, you're 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 right, Andrew. We we don't have the continuity with the patients. I mean, we we have some, as they call you know, frequent flyers, right? <laughs> people that visit the ER. So you've, but but um, a lot of people you don't. We so the place I work at, it's a uh, medium-sized community hospital, but we're on uh, an interstate, oh. and so um, it's amazing how many people stop in, you know. And that person's traveling between Florida and Michigan, um, or, or some between two other states, and and they pop in because of some kind of medical situation going on. So you just have to do the best you can um, uh, with history, and um, and then physical exam and testing um, to try to figure things out. But um, but it's always a challenge. And then if you add in um, our uh, the people who are hearing impaired, um, that always adds another level of, uh, uh, it's almost becomes, uh, you know, com- comic, uh, as, as you find yourself, how loud you're, you know, screaming, talking, <laughs> trying to, uh, and they're, and they're, and they're just doing the best they can, but it, it be, there's, there's opportunities for kind of laughing about it for sure. Now, as as you find yourself, I'm sure in, encountering medical students or maybe want to be medical students, um, you know who who do you who do you steer towards your specialty? What's sort of the the perfect uh, the perfect makeup you might say of a would be emergency room physician? I think uh, somebody who's got a big heart. Um, I think. Uh, uh, somebody who has multiple interests, mm. you know, as far as ages of people they want to take care of, um, conditions they want to manage, um, uh, willing to do procedures and do what needs to be done. Uh, also, a, a level of humility, knowing when you're over your head mm. and, and, and need to ask for help from the specialist via the phone. Um, uh, or from a from a coworker, um, so it's it's a and 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 I think a well-rounded person. I think it's important because because you do have to deal with people from all facts of life, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, uh, and 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 so being able to step in their shoes as best you can and and uh, try to relate to them you're not going to be able to please everybody and uh as you guys know that but i mean we we try but you know when when the nurse comes back to you <laughs> and says um the patient just fired you and, and you say you know and and so um you 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 just have to have a level of humility about it um because uh the 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 culture that we're at you know patients they 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 um they're encouraged to, uh, you know, um, rate providers and how was your experience sure. and things like that. And so they know they can call, you know, hospital um, administrators. And it's not all that unusual for you to get a, uh, you know, a contact later, you know, following up about the experience with a certain patient mm-hmm. or something. So, so you, 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 um, just do the best you can and, and uh, 
um, kind of just have to kind of roll with a lot, I guess. And um, I think I think if you had that longer term experience with somebody, knowing their background, they would be able to trust you and know you have their best interest in mind. And it's kind of it's unfortunate, you know, that you know these these miss they 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 might misread you and and stuff like that. So I get it's the nature of you know um, a lot of activity, a lot of patience, and trying to get a lot done. And, a short period of time so you know bill you had mentioned some of the you know different types of things you would see maybe could you give us an idea of some of the most common problems that that would present to an ER sure um, abdominal pain uh, chest pain um, shortness of breath you know COPD exacerbations um, nosebleeds um, being, you know, lacerations. I was, I was just uh, opening this box with this box cutter, you know, or, <laughs> oh, no. or, you know, I just had the kids down um, to the trampoline park, you uh, know, and and this is what happened to their arm, you know, or, or I mean, um, un- unfortunate falls. Falls are are so common, you know, uh, elderly falling at home. Um, out of bed, but they can they can experience quite some significant head injuries, mm. hematomas from just a simple fall. Um, dental problems they are frequent. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, end stage liver disease, ascites uh, that refers to your belly getting really swollen because fluid uh, builds up, and and a lot of times you know they they have to have their their belly so called tapped. Um, and um, and so so they come to the ER a lot for for getting that procedure done. Um, uh, dislocations of shoulders. Um, um, yeah, some of those things. Sounds like a lot them. of a lot of pain or can't breathe situations. Pain. Pain <laughs> yeah. seems to be an underlying. Pain's the main one. And probably. then listening to that list too, I sort of think of uh, there's a fear component. Yeah, I'm afraid something is serious, and I don't know. Uh, so, 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 yeah. so true, Chris. Uh, fear and anxiety overlays a lot of situations we see, mm. and and that kind of leads to another one I didn't mention is is panic attacks. Oh, it's yeah. uh, you know, especially in younger people, um, you know, young twenties, chest pain, or you know, and and of course we 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 treat all those people um, squarely you know, with doing the appropriate test to rule out the emergency things. But it's just uh, that level of anxiety that you you see in their presentation. And then um, and, and they they hint at it, too, in describing. And they might say, and it might just be I'm feeling very anxious. So you're, you're right. And, and it's important for me as a, as, a, as a person on the other end to keep that in mind that, um, you know, people coming to the ER, it's it can be an anxious experience for them. I mean, it's commonplace for me, but important to keep sure. that in mind. Well, in that, case uh, uh, in case our listeners might be getting anxious that we're changing our schedule, we better <laughs> we better take a break. Uh, we'll be right back after this break with more in emergency medicine here on Doctor Doctor. And we're back today on Doctor Doctor with Doctor Bill Wehrman. We're talking about ER medicine. So, Bill, I, I wondered if maybe you could walk us through a little bit of what the patient might experience when they show up to the ER. You meet so many different people. How does that process work when, when a patient comes in and you want to evaluate that patient? Absolutely. So if they would come in through the, um, to, into the waiting room um, and, and they get registered, and then um, depending on what they, their chief complaint is, um, some chief complaints will get them back quicker than others, including <laughs> chest pain. <laughs> yeah. you'll, you'll get an you get an uh, immediate EKG done, and then if that EKG, um, you know, as, as long as that it, it doesn't show any emergency thing, they that that'll direct uh, how fast they get back. But um, some some uh, medical conditions. Or higher priority, so so that that kind of helps direct things, how fast somebody gets back there. But 
Um, from, from the waiting room, they go into a triage department and then they meet a nurse and we have uh, that triage being managed by either a nurse practitioner or a physician. And uh, so um, get the uh, initial history and then put some orders in. And then that patient may go to uh, a room in the ER or might go to the uh, waiting room mm -hmm. um, until a room opens up. And then once they're in the one of the rooms in the ER, they'll meet uh, a physician or a nurse practitioner who will be their provider for that stay. Um, and that person will get their history and they might have some test results back, but um, they, they may add some further tests to be done. And then um, continuing that, that communication um, with the patient and their families, oftentimes in that room, uh, is, is the role of that provider and the nurse also, um, you know, attending to their needs. And um, we are just, our hospital is in the process of instituting uh, these boards on the rooms just to help further facilitate the communication. Um, so there's going to be a section for um, these are the tests that we did and, the, and, and these are and so crossing off after you've explained those results just to have that, that visual I think is, is going to help you know in, in the, the minds of the patients that okay they did do these things um, because I guess I guess uh, Chris and, and Andrew it, it can be overwhelming for them because it's not an it's not uh, unusual for me to see a patient in our ER who was in another ER, uh, you know, recently. Yeah. And you ask them, well, what did they do? And their <laughs> response is nothing. Uh, and, and, you know, and I, I think it's, so I think that, that communication is important. And so we're, uh, it's, it's uh, hopefully we'll keep getting better at it. You know, I, I like that idea a lot because I, I remember in training, one of the things that they always focused on with us is that, you know, no, no matter how much stuff you talk about, patients remember really about 10%. Um, <laughs> so it's like you kind of want to pick, you know, I, I've got the luxury in the outpatient world usually to do one thing at a time. Mm -hmm. And it's like we can all be on the same page here. In the ER, you've got to do 30 things <laughs> at once and then tell them things are okay or not. I yeah. mean, it's, it's almost uh, it's a huge task. Well, you know, in defense of you and your, and your colleagues, Bill, you know, I've had patients come to see me and they're complaining about their recent trip to the emergency room. And I'm always trying to explain, you know, you've got to understand they, the system has to decide, is this life-threatening or not life-threatening? Right. It's designed to treat life-threatening and do it very, very well. But you tell me if I'm wrong, Bill, but I mean, I don't think the emergency medical system is designed, you know, to give people a great feeling about non-life-threatening things. That's what Andrew's office is for, you know? <laughs> right, uh, for chronic illness and for, for things that are not life-threatening. But I, I think too many of us, we're complicated animals, we people. We want that same level of comfort and care through an emergency system. And it's really not fair to expect that, is it? Uh, it, it it's true, right. And, and, and I, you know, and the, the, the best thing I try to hammer home is, is uh, okay, there's not an emergency problem going on today. <laughs> and, 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 and sometimes somebody you know, out of their frustration might say, so there's nothing wrong with me. And you, and you have to try oh, to sure. say, I'm not, I'm not saying that it's, I'm just saying that, you know, for your particular thing, we've ruled out this, 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 and this. Mm -hmm. And, and so further, further figuring out what's going on, I recommend, you know, we do these other things, but that's not going to happen today in the ER. That's going to happen via, you know, visits with these other providers and follow up and just trying to trying to pass it along but yeah. it's i think the ten, the temptation is is you know coming we're going to figure this out you know and and it's not realistic <laughs> well you know if you were in charge of advising people if you could give general advice about who needs to go to the emergency room and who should go maybe to a walk-in you know, urgent care clinic or after hours clinic, something like that. Can you give some sort of generic guidelines there for listeners? 
much. Yeah, and 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 I'd, I'd first start out by like, if you think you have a serious medical problem, come come to the ER. Yeah, that's the best place to get it evaluated. Mm. If if you feel comfortable that you know this is this might be an upper respiratory type infection or a simple urinary tract infection. I'm not talking about like a fever, but um, you know UTI symptoms, or um, uh, or, or um, you know if you if if you will will you know if you 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 can choose to go to an urgent care to get evaluated. Those providers there might refer you from there to us. Oh, sure. So, so just kind of keeping that all in mind. Um, uh, but, but I just say, as as we say to people who call us in the ER, you know, do you think I should come in? <laughs> and 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 the 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 clerks know their responses. If you feel like you want to get checked out, evaluated, we are happy to see you. And <laughs> yeah. so. It's, it's so tough because frequently we'll get those calls in the middle of the night. A lot of times a parent calling for a child or uh, a patient calling for like an elderly parent and they'll say, you know, they, they say they're having trouble breathing. Is it okay to wait till tomorrow or should I come in tonight? <laughs> like, it's hard for me. I mean, <laughs> just a, a little one. trouble breathing or a lot? Those both sound terrible to me. Yeah. You know, how can I judge that over the phone? You it, know, it, it, It's true. And Andrew, it's, it's, um, Sometimes, you know, we're on the other end from, from you all in the office, you know, and, and, uh, and the patient might just say, well, the office staff told me to come here. That's right. And, 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 <laughs> and you're like, and, those, you know, and, those and people. And we're seeing the patient and we're saying, gosh, this isn't sure isn't an emergency situation that I'm seeing in front of me right now. But you don't know what that patient told, you know, them on the phone. And, and so I, I try and remind well, myself that all the time. I'm like, you know, whatever, whatever situation. I mean, you're you're working with partial information almost all the time. Sure, you know. Yes, so it's true. That's, yeah, uh, but we we appreciate you being there. I guess <laughs> you know one one of the things that we always like to ask folks in the different fields of medicine is about joy. So mm. what what in your work in the ER gives you the most joy? And I, I would say that um, I oftentimes appreciate immensely the staff that I get to work with. Mm. You know, they they oftentimes provide needed comic relief, and um, <laughs> and and also a lot of times their their patience and uh, their caring is inspiring, and and so um, you know. I, I find real satisfaction of getting to working with such a hardworking team, and and I think a lot of people in ER can um, would agree to that. Mm. Um, there's there's I, I appreciate much and and find joy in being able to um, help somebody truly in an emergency situation. It's sure. it is it is very uh, uh, in, encouraging um, to to you know seeing somebody. Uh, with with uh, either a heart or a, a breathing type issue, where you you literally you know are are uh, you know you could say you know saving their life or or you know they were you know that 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 crazy crazy expression you know circling the drain you know it's it, it, some people can be they it's it's a uh, we're, we're we're blessed the time that we we live in that there's a lot of medicines and and procedures that can happen to really. Um, save people but 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 there's also um we're also only human and and the human body um is is also um it's 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 a it's it's a, a creature and and uh we we know our limitations and and we we try our best but um so so I, I think the joy is is in in being able to um, relieve people of, of of serious medical problems or relieving their pain, which can be real, mm -hmm. and um, and so there's there's joy in that, and and of course of course the patient or the family um, telling you thank you, um, those those are those are much appreciated. Mm -hmm. um, 
because as you guys know, you know, you, you have to, uh, there, there's, there's a lot of stuff that, that does just happen. And I think, especially in the ER, um, um, because uh, the situations that are pe that patients are coming out of, they um, they don't um, recognize the effort that we're making, and so it, it can lead to a, a frustrating experience. Um, sometimes when you try your best, and and there there isn't the appreciation. So. So, so when the appreciation does happen, it's it's uh, it's very much, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, thought of. Well, let's move to something uh, very very practical, uh, and we talked about this over the break. But you know, I keep thinking every time one of my kids gets hurt that if I just had a better first aid kit. Uh, on the camping trip or the fishing trip or just being out in the garage, I could save a trip to urgent care or the ER. But, you know, as the professional that does this all of the time, do you have any advice for listeners on how do you be, uh, how do you be prepared for those, uh, for those emergencies? What's the perfect first aid kit? Right, right, Chris. So I think it depends on your family. What are, what are the medical conditions that uh -huh. are, that are make up, uh, other people in that family. So somebody who's got um, known heart disease, i.e. Um, has had a heart attack or has had blockages in the coronary arteries to their heart, you know, having their aspirin, their subligal nitroglycerin uh. available, those those type medicines. Um, so that should be in their kit. If, if somebody has known asthma or COPD, you know, having their inhaler or their nebulizer medicine uh, with them, um, that's important. Um, if somebody has a history of severe allergic reaction, be it peanuts uh. or bee stings, um, you know, they should have that EpiPen, you know, with them just in case and, and some Benadryl as well. Um, and of course, I, I think of uh, opiate abuse and if, if, if that has happened with somebody in your family nasal narcan is can be truly a, a lifesaver mm. so um, I think of those those things um, it's interesting that the nasal narcan idea I mean that really is a sign of the times isn't it right right and and, 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 and families families do have have that sure um, uh, EM EMS crews might arrive at the at the house and family saying that they've already given some. Mm. Um, so it's, uh, it's becoming more commonplace, but um, it, you, there's still a lot of people who, who aren't prepared. You know, Bill, as, as we're wrapping up here in our last few minutes, I guess maybe one, one other question would be, what, what would you encourage patients to do to prepare maybe for an ER visit? Um, is there is there anything that could make that trip less stressful for you and for them if they they do it ahead of time? Right, right, uh, Andrew. Like the idea of what what medicines are they uh, currently on? That's always a helpful thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, family uh, family present or within um, uh, close contact or a phone call away. Um, because that, that, that's another big thing. We, we do see patients that they're, they're altered mentally. And so being have, having somebody in their family that, uh, that we can contact and uh, communicate with, that's, that's important. And, and it, it doesn't always um, present that way. Um, so so those, those things come immediately is uh, helpful things. And I guess, you know, any anything that you would like listeners to know about the life of a an ER doctor or anything we forgot to ask you? Gosh, just, you know, please, please uh, um, be patient with us. We're, we're, we're going to we're going to try our best. And um, and it's uh, it's it's um, we, we we providers uh, ask for your your patience and and uh, and and we we'll try to do our best and uh, we are we are 
um, sincerely interested in, in your welfare. Mm-hmm. And um, we may be uh, frazzled from a long shift or from several shifts in a row. And, and, and if we, we don't have the, uh, the, the, the smile, please forgive us. Um, and, uh, um, so it's, um, those, those things come to mind, Andrew. Um, we, uh, we, we do take a lot of pride in, in, in taking care of the patients and, and, um, and, and the people who are willing to put up with, um, a lot of stuff that comes through the ER, it's just, it's, it's oftentimes not a pleasant place. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and, and, um, so, so, uh, um, just kind of, uh, uh, we, we, we appreciate any, any signs of, uh, um, smiles or understanding, um, those things go a long way, um, for, for ER, um, staff and, 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 uh, you know, you'll you'll win us over easily um, by by some some simple things like that. Well, Doctor Bill Worman, thank you for joining us, and Doctor Doctor, thank you and and your colleagues for the work, the tireless hours that you spend uh, manning the Thanks. emergency department, and uh, thank you for giving us a little bit of that time. Oh, it's a pleasure. Uh, thanks, guys. Welcome back to Dr. Doctor, and welcome to this episode's answer to the medical trivial question. Yes, and we've got a good question here about who utilizes the ER. Right, Chris? <laughs> right. So it's a multiple choice. Um, you can choose between one, babies under the age of one, uh, two, children ages one to 17, and then lastly, elderly patients over the age of 75. Which group is the, the greatest utilizer of the emergency room? I, I will say, I think upon reflection, I, I probably would have guessed the correct answer here. It might just be the world I live in, but <laughs> the correct answer is little babies under the age of one. I would have guessed wrong. I would have guessed the elderly. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. The, the elderly have an advantage that the babies don't have is they can tell you what they're feeling most of the time. <laughs> and the babies, they just, you know, they make these sounds yeah. and that's about it. And crying, is that a problem? Cry? Is it not? You yeah. know, um, I see that all the time our babies especially when it's your first baby listeners you can think of when maybe you had your first baby it's scary mm. and uh, they don't come with a manual and after right. you've had two or three babies and you're like oh I've seen you this got before. your own manual but yeah. Uh, yeah at the beginning I totally see that you know I advise new moms in my practice when they're trying to choose a pediatrician or a pediatrics provider I say to them, try to get a sense of when you call, what are they going to say to you? Right. Because you don't want to be, you don't want to feel stupid for calling. Right. But you don't want every call, the answer to be go to the ER. Yeah. Uh, as we've heard uh, in this episode. But there's a fine line there. There is. Uh, especially with a child, as you point out. Well, it's so it's so tough because there's definitely catchphrases like uh, not breathing well. That's scary to hear on the phone and I mean he pointed out chest pain chest pain that's a problem you know so so often so often folks need to be evaluated but ideally trying to do it outpatient as as best it's so much better I mean uh, I think probably the most common question I get as an obstetrician gynecologist is probably spotting bleeding in pregnancy yeah and I try to find a way to say to the patients you know, this is not going to be a good experience. Yeah. You know, A, you may get news that you really don't like. Uh, and B, even if you don't get bad news, it's not going to be a great experience. Right. So it's going to be sort of bad all around. The ER is not where we're best at treating this. Right. Anything yeah. that's got that emotional component, the ER is not designed for that. It's really designed for life-threatening. You know, the other thing I was thinking when listening to him talk was um, – Unlike in your office or my office, the ER is not designed to put a period at the end of the sentence. Yeah. It's more of a comma, isn't it? Yeah. So we've ruled out badness, dangerness, go home, see your family doctor. Um, but that's not very – that's not gratifying necessarily. I love how he said it. He said, you know, people are coming in and say, we're going to figure this out today. today. <laughs> it's been going on for 10 years. And, uh, you know, I Today feel may not way. be the day. I mean, sometimes people come into the office and say, hey – you know, I've, I've seen four other doctors. They couldn't figure it out, but we're going to figure yeah. it out today. I'm like, 
I, if you're 0 for 4, chances of little Andrew Malala, you'll yeah. figure it out low, quite now, low. I remember, and we talked about this component of fear, but I distinctly remember taking my adopted daughter when she hadn't been in the country very long to the emergency room because I was convinced she had meningitis. Yeah. I mean, after all, I'm a medical professional. <laughs> but I found myself sitting there with her thinking, man, I hope she doesn't have meningitis. But I hope she's at least sick, right? Because I don't, I don't want them to think I. I You're liable to say, right. you know, Dr. Stroud, this is uh, she's yeah. not sick. She's totally. What's fine. wrong with you? Yeah. Why didn't you know this? <laughs> so there is that fear. Am I am I appropriate? Am I inappropriate? Should I not be worried, or should I be? It's yeah. not easy. I think. I mean, I guess to to kind of put a uh, point to it with our top three takeaways, uh, number one would be if you think that you need to go to yeah. the ER, you should go to Just the go. ER. Yeah, and uh, to to be fair, if if I get a phone call at 2 a.m. and somebody says, I'm kind of having trouble breathing, I don't know if it's serious, there's no way for me to know it's serious yeah. without me listening to you or having somebody at the ER And so your to default you. position has to be go in. Yeah, you've got to be prepared to. If you're scared, you are right to be scared. you got to get it figured out. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, I like what he said about a, uh, a heartfelt thank you goes a long way. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, a, you know, a sincere hug and a pat on the back and a thank you for, for helping me. I think it's it's hard for listeners to understand how appreciated that really is. Well, especially in the ER where they don't have the, the continuity that we've grown yeah, to enjoy. That's right. I think that's a big one. And then he, he had mentioned, too, bringing a med list. Yes. Um, medications are hard for patients to remember. They're very hard for doctors to guess. Yes. So bring whatever you got and somebody to, to speak on your behalf and to speak with you, hopefully a family member. Absolutely. Well, I, I hope this episode has been helpful for listeners. I hope none of you listeners need to visit an emergency room anytime soon. But but if you need it, I hope that you're near a good one where there's a great physician like our guest working and, and they're ready to take care of you. Uh, but thanks for listening to another episode of, of Dr. Doctor. You can listen to this and all of our episodes on our website, drdoctor.org. Just click on Episode Archive, and you can search really well over 300 episodes uh, by topic or by guest. And we now even have a video version of our podcast. If you click on the YouTube link near the top, top of the drdoctor.org homepage, and we also have an area for you to submit a question or an idea for an episode. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, this is Dr. Chris Stroud. And Dr. Andrew Mullally. And we're signing off until your next dose of Dr. Doctor.